Okay, we're nearly there. I'm sure you've put your blue cards in the green buckets. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Some of the best quotes may even make their way to our website as well, which is nice, isn't it? Um, okay, so as has already been said today, this is the final message in the overarching series, Money, Sex and Power. Um, we now come to the second part of the third subject in the, in the series. If you remember, Vic opened that series with two messages on money and giving. Then Dave Nunn looked at issues around sex and sexuality over a couple of weeks. And today, as I said, is the second part, part two of power. And if you remember last week, we looked at the words of Jesus in Matthew 20. Where, well, I'll, I'll read those words to you just... It's only a shortish passage referring to power and comparing the power in the world to what he, sh he thinks it should be. He says, it says in Matthew 20, 25, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. It's a radical and challenging message on an interpretation and an application of power, or position and power. Now this week, we're going to hear from uh, some testimony from a number of people in a little while, some of their experiences of power, use, maybe abuse of power, um, particularly in the workplace, but before we get to that, I'm, I'm going to read. I'm going to read some words from Ephesians chapter six. I'm not going to expound the passage like we did last week, as we would just basically work through it verse by verse. Really, just to hang what we're saying on these on these words. So, Ephesians chapter six. I'll read the first nine verses. It says, "Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord." For this is the right thing to do. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. And masters... Treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favourites. I, I just want to make a few comments on the use and abuse of power in the family. Now, 
this is, in some ways, this is a difficult one because we don't have loads of time. And this is a subject where you could do a whole series on, you could do a series of seminars and workshops on that as well. So these really just hear these as little sound bites, little snippets, little tasters to provoke thought and to provoke prayer as much as anything. So we, we read those words, fa those words, father, sorry, fathers do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them, rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. There is different ways, and when I say fathers, I'm, I'm speaking to parents, by the way. There are different ways you to provoke your children to anger. I was j just jotting down some thoughts as I was thinking about this. You can provoke your children to anger by, we can provoke them to anger by being overprotective. When they want to break free, and you think, th th there's wisdom we need to apply to, to that one in terms of, where we put the boundaries. I'll mention something about boundaries in a little while. We can provoke our children to anger by being overcritical, by being neglectful, by showing favoritism to siblings, by verbal abuse, or even physical abuse. So even in those few words there, for us parents, we, we must guard ourselves and constantly be praying for wisdom and guidance so that we don't provoke our children to anger. How many times have you heard people say they can't really see God as father because of their experience in family? I've spoken to numbers of people. I really can't get God as a father. You don't know what it was like when I was growing up. We should guard our children. We are in a Parents are in a position of power, in the family, aren't they? We should guard them. We should protect them. We should ensure they feel safe and secure in the family unit. Nourish them. Nourish them emotionally. Nourish them spiritually as well. And remember to give them some food as well. Right? <laughs> Put clear boundaries of acceptable behavior in place. See, done right, that is not control. That's guidance that brings security, that develops character and personality. Putting in clear boundaries for kids is not an abuse of power. But we do need wisdom in knowing how to move those boundaries as, we, as they grow older. Otherwise, it could be abuse. I remember chatting to someone about their experience. Right, so... Just think, if you, you don't want a, your three-year-old, this is just a little illustration, you don't want your three-year-old locking the door when they use the bathroom. Most importantly, because they probably won't be able to unlock it again. And I remember a very traumatic experience when I was, in fact, I wasn't three, I was four, when I went round me nans and locked myself in the outside toilet, right? I was there for ages with people coaxing me out to unlock the door, right? So the advice for a three-year-old could well be, don't lock the bathroom door. Right, But I do know a woman whose dad insisted that her and her sister didn't lock the bathroom door even when they were in their teens. It was an abuse of power and position because he said, I might want to come in there. But can you see the difference there? I mean, it's obvious really, isn't it? That big suddenly, so an ex exercising power and authority saying to your three-year-old, it's best not to lock the door, is wise and sensible. When that three-year-old becomes 15, 
it suddenly can become abusive, can't it? There's an abuse of power. And that girl needed certain prayer over certain things. As parents, we're responsible before God to bring our children up to be Jesus-honouring adults. Teach a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it, is the principle contained in the Proverbs. We want our kids to grow up showing love and patience and respect and well, the whole, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We want to see them evident in our children, don't we? Being an example of Jesus to those around them. So really, in this context of power, there's a question for parents. How do you use your position of power? Do you use that position of power wisely? Or do you abuse that position of power? What kind of example do you set your kids? Are you absent, distracted, distant, cold, or harsh? Or are you there for your children? Do they feel secure when you're around? Do, you, do they feel safe? Do they want to be in your presence? You know, when you're all always ready with open arms, encouraging them to be responsible for their actions and to do what is right, even when it's difficult. And in this day and age, it's a challenge, isn't it? When the world around us speaks very different, uh, speaks a very different language to the church. You know, during the week, I was reading <coughs> some case studies on different aspects of parental abuse. There was, there was quite sort of technical psychological papers that and those documents are very flat and and like I say objective looking into reasons and causes of abusive behavior they're objective until you come to the testimony of individuals which are being used as case studies and then suddenly there's a an outpouring of personal pain and torment that comes essentially from the abuse of parental power We're going to pray at the end for people, either if you feel that you've been affected, damaged by that abuse of parental power, or if you feel you're yourself you're going down a certain route and you think, I don't want to be like that as one of God's people. We will be praying about that. So I wanted to just pass those comments about the use of power in the, in the family, and particularly aimed at parents, but also referred here, we, we, read from verse, we read from verse 8, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we're slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favourites. Now, I know this passage is talking about slaves and slave owners, masters, but I think it's legitimate for us to apply it to employers and employees so we're not looking and, and, and I know you know people say well there's 
there's still slavery today. I'm aware of that. But I still want to apply this slightly broader in a situation where most of us can recognise and identify. Um, and the way I'd like to do that is by getting a number of people up to the stage just to tell some of their stories and some of their experiences. So the first person I want you to welcome warmly to the stage is Gary Lynch. Gary. Um, yeah, as Paul said, he's asked me to give an account of my experience of use or abuse of power in the workplace. Um, so without further ado, I shall. Uh, the following is a true story about a colleague of mine. A powerful chap, uh, you wouldn't think so to look at him. He's tallish, slim, some might say skinny, but this guy has a powerful mentality. He sees himself as someone who faces a challenge, sees, sees solutions where others see problems, and keeps his head while others falter. He has a strong sense of right and wrong. Some may say self-righteous. Let's call him Mr. Right. We worked for the boss, experienced, powerful, wise even, but he was belligerent, hostile, and aggressive. More than that, he humiliated to motivate on a regular basis. He used this tactic on Mr. Wright, who thought that was wrong, and decided to take on the boss for all those gone before. The battle was on. Mr. Wright used his powerful character and scored some, what he thought, moral victories over the boss. But their relationship deteriorated as a result. Wright's career was being tarmed to the point he thought he may have to change jobs. His colleagues, as a result of the stress Wright caused the, the belligerent boss, may have been humili humiliated sorry, all the more. The plan wasn't really working. So during this time, Mr. Wright started to hear about a truly powerful character whilst here at City Hope. One particular Sunday, the preach was ordinary life, extraordinary spirit, and centered on a topic of work. One key part of the preach read from Colossians 3, verse 22, which says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of the heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. God's instructions to us, I learnt, for indeed Mr. Wright was, of course, me, is to work as if Jesus himself had asked you to do it. To serve as a slave, even if you feel it right to be a master. To do his work as you do your own and bear fruit for him. And clearly, I had not done that. That day, I had learnt the true value of power and how to use it. That was March 16th. 2014, nearly three years ago to the day, and the day I committed my life to Jesus. Life since then is so much better in many ways. Um, my aim now at work is to use the power God has given me to serve and be a light for him in that mission field. I haven't had to change jobs because j God changed me, made me new. He enabled me to rebuild the relationship with my boss and I have become a key part of the business, helping others to grow and develop in a supportive environment. I now leave the writing of wrongs to people or him who is more qualified. In my prouder moments, I may wonder, how have I been able to do that? However, in Deuteronomy it says, you may say to yourself, my own power and the strength of my own hands have produced this, but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God's taught me about power 
and I, as I have hopefully illustrated this morning, if he has gifted it to you, respect it and use it to serve others. If you need it, ask him for it, but use it wisely. And above all, remember where it comes from and how he who gave it to you uses it and try and do likewise. God is all-powerful. We consistently fall short of him. And therefore, we are potentially really quite annoying to him. He has the power to wipe us out in an instant, but he doesn't. His merciful grace powers us to overcome these shortcomings and recover from situations that seem hopeless, that we feel powerless to change. As many of you here have experienced, God's power is an amazing thing. With God's power, anything he wills for us is possible. Amen. Fantastic. God gets involved in our lives and he can transform, well, he transforms us and he will transform situations. You know, and you may be in a position now in your workplace and you think, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't want to be here anymore. But listen, we can turn to the God who is, has the ultimate power, who has the total authority, and we can see him intervene. And thankfully he does. Because like Gary said, we muck it up so many times and he still comes back. What a gracious God we have. As God's people in the workplace, demonstrating his God-given power and his God-given wisdom and all the rest of it. We are speaking volumes to people around us, acting different to the world, responding different to the rest of the world. It's a huge thing, isn't it? I hope this is a timely encouragement for us. Should we hear from the next person? Could you also put your hands together, please, for Mr. Roy Vargason? Here he comes. <laughs> He's stopping to sign autographs. <laughs> All right, mate. Yeah, um... <laughs> it's a bit hard for me to follow that fellow, you know. Because <laughs> um, most people here know that, you know, before I retired, I was a trade union official. I'm sorry? <laughs> so, uh, can you hear me now? Right, sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, most people know that um, I was a trade union official um, for the Communication Workers Union for some 20, 25 years, representing people right across... South London, um, and I struggle a little bit with uh, serving because I've seen um, and been involved in situations where, you know, the union has to intervene and people like me have to intervene to try and help people out. I mean, most people think that the trade union movement is just here to be a nuisance and call people out on strike and one way or another, but we were actually... Um, formed as part of the part of the reason that we do what we do is because people need to be looked after in the workplace. People um, get beyond their station, for want of a better expression. Uh, they're promoted, um, quite rightly promoted, and I won't say that um, every manager that I've come across has been like this, but quite a number of them have. 
they seem to think that when they uh, get some authority over in the workplace, that their role is to bully, shout and scream and threaten people in the workplace. Um, and just, I'll give you a quick brief example of a couple of things that we've dealt with so you know what we're talking about. The, um, there was a guy that worked at Lewisham, his lung collapsed. He's in hospital for quite a length of time. He then um, has to recuperate after that. On his return to work, the manager tried to sack him for having time off. Uh, quite rightly, he called me in, and oh, I am known for my gentleness. And <laughs> <laughs> um, after some exchanges, um, you know, um, he was the manager saw the error of his ways and how he should carry on. Um, and we've had a guy, you know, terminally ill. His manager tries to get rid of him because he knows that if he dies in service, he gets X amount of money out of the manager's budget. But if he can get rid of him before that, happy days for him. But um, he was shown the error of his ways as well. But, you know, it's serious that in the workplace, people are promoted and... I don't know what happens to them. And that's not all of all managers, but I don't know what happens to them. They seem to forget that they have a duty of care towards the people that are underneath them, or not underneath them, that they're supposedly looking after. They forget that, you know, <laughs> when you go to work, that courtesy and respect is something that you must apply in the workplace, in every situation. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's quite hard for me to say, yeah, um, you know, I'll, as a slave, I'll serve you. You know, whatever you do, I'm going to do it. So that's a bit difficult for me. So perhaps uh, people need to pray for me for that one. But um, you know, it is. It is. There's a necessity for people in the workplace. You know, like me. Um, even though I'm retired now, I still hold union credentials and I still represent now and again. But um, I'm retired now. But people that have come up behind, you know, do my job now, are in exactly the same position. It doesn't seem to change, and I don't know why it don't change. Why, when you're, you know, you're given a job to do, and you think you can do that job by bullying, threatening people, I won't renew your contract. If you don't work past your time, if you take a meal relief, I ain't going to renew your contract because that job needs to be done. You know, it's all that sort of stuff, and it frustrates me a little bit. But um, I think really that's all I can say on the matter, so... You know, um, I'll end this part of political broadcast on behalf of the union and uh, give back the fall. Thanks, Thanks, well done. Thank you. <laughs> I, I remember chatting to Roy a little while ago and um, asking him why he became a union rep. Roy didn't become a union rep until after he became a follower of Jesus. And he told me he wanted to do that because he saw the injustice in the workplace. So out inside that brash exterior is a soft heart that is looking for justice in the workplace. The third person who is coming up here is, in my opinion, the nicest person in this room. Denise Brown. Could you read something for me? So that I, while I sort myself out. 
I'm just on eBay, hang on. <laughs> hang on. There you are. Could you read that for me, please? Thank you. Mark chapter 9, verses 36 and 37, talking about Jesus. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me doesn't welcome me, but the one who sent me. So we have a real responsibility. When we have children of our own or when we look after children or work with children, it's such a responsibility and we're all God's children. And when, I, when we were singing that song this morning and that bit when he says he's roaring with power, imagine meeting God and seeing him roar with power. It would just blow our minds. But that God who roars with power is the one who loves all of us. We're all his children and he really, really does love children, little children. And I think it is such a great job working with children. I love it. And God give me that job. I weren't qualified in any shape or form. God opened the door and give me the job. And um, it would be so easy to um, abuse your power over kids. If you're in a bad mood that day, it would be so easy to take it out on children. Whatever they're doing wrong, you could make a big deal out of it and make their life a misery. And we've most probably all had that done to us over the years. And I remember when I was nine, I had a teacher. He weren't even a proper teacher. He was a student teacher in a little primary school when I lived in Kent. And he, I was fiddling in my desk for something. And he came over and he slammed the desk down. And in front of everyone, he just whacked me really hard around the face. And I... I was just stunned. Everyone didn't know whether to laugh or whatever. It was, it was horrible. And even now, to this day, there was a program on the other day and they mentioned Whitby Bay. And I remember he come from there. And as soon as I hear Whitby Bay, I think of this teacher like hitting me and the embarrassment and the shame and humiliation. It takes you right back to that day. And um, I mean, I don't know what it was. Well, whatever he went, got up to after that, because if that was only just someone fiddling their desk, I hate to think what he, you know, if someone was really naughty. And our kids had a teacher at their school, um, a TA, and she was so awful to our kids. They didn't want to go to school. They, they really didn't like her. And we used to just say, but you've got to go to school. And then one day we heard she was leaving and, the, and, and one of our kids came home. He was so excited. He said the kids were dancing in the playground. They, ate, they did their own like little party because they were so pleased she was going. And in some ways, I just think you always remember who was kind to you as a kid and you always remember who was nasty. Imagine being remembered, kids dancing around because you're going. I'd like to think when I leave, they'll be all crying and I, you know, I'd be really, you know, I'd, I wanted to, to, to appreciate the fact that I worked there. And adults as well over kids can use sarcasm, one-liners and put-downs and it really crushes kids. And then as time goes on, the adult doesn't give it another fault. But that kid could be an adult now and still carry those words. You're an idiot. You're no good. You're stupid. You're so annoying. And even to this day, they will feel exactly the same as they felt as the day it happened. And Jesus has called us to love others as ourselves. 
Nobody wants to be talked to harshly or have someone lose their temper with you over something really small or be made to feel a fool in front of everyone. Jesus was gentle and he was kind. He always had time for others and always showed love. Where I work, I always cuddle kids. I always give them eye contact when I talk to them. I always make them feel valued and loved. Because so many children come from troubled families and are so vulnerable. And, but you, in y- you can't always do it in your own strength, you know. You really need Jesus to help you every day. Say, Jesus, you know, help me to be like you. And draw on the fruits of the Holy Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience. When we ask for that, God does give it to us. And the, the reason I came to know Jesus was through someone being kind to me as a kid. My, when, when my mum and dad, they never really used to give us eye contact. When, you know, when you're talking to them, they'd always be doing something else. They never really would stop, look at you and listen. But this guy who did like some children's work really did. He always listened to me, always looked at me when, he, when I was telling him something. It could be something load of rubbish, but he always listened as if it was something really important and he made me feel special and he told me about Jesus and it is that teacher child in the way they'll go and when they're old they'll not depart from it. All them years later, I found Jesus because I never forgot that man who was really, really kind and he travels the world now still telling people about Jesus. So, yeah, working with children is so, so important and we have a big responsibility and we can use that power for such good. I'd like to think kids I work with, I'm nearly finished, sorry, that I really do pray and, and believe that some of them children will grow up to be real men and women of God because of the input you can have when you work with them. So, so many different experiences of power in the workplace but as God's people whether we are employees or employers whether we have authority over people or not we've got to demonstrate Jesus to people haven't we the power that he exerted by submitting to the authority of the father if you like willingly subjecting himself to the authority of the father going to the cross on our behalf, suffering and bleeding and dying in our place. That's a demonstration of power, isn't it? Because he won a victory over sin and death so that we could be in this room today talking about the use and abuse of power in the workplace. He is the ultimate example. You know, this passage in... Ephesians that we've looked at briefly today does lead us to understand there is an ultimate power. It's our God who knows us and loves us intimately. And where we have any position of power or influence, whether it be in the church, I mean, that's a subject we've not even touched on the use and abuse of power in a church context, whether it's in the family or at work, we should always exercise that power as if we are working for the ultimate power for Jesus, for God himself, who is wise and just and loving and forgiving and pure and holy and beautiful. That's who we're working for, if you like. We are a privileged people, aren't we? Those of us in this room who are Christians are the most privileged people. 
If you are not a Christian, you can join us because Jesus loves you so much that he laid down his power in that sense so that you could know him. Listen, time is fast running away and I would love us to, to finish by praying. And what I would like to do is to pray generally for us as a community, as a family, and then when it's time to go and get them, then it's time to go and get the children and maybe have a cup of coffee. If you would like somebody to stand with you and pray with you that bit more, then we'll make provision for that as well. So should we stand together? I'm, I'm going to pray for those particularly who have been affected by the abuse of power in a family context. And for those who would like prayer because they feel they're abusing their position of power. And also, likewise, in the workplace as well. I'd like, let's just close our eyes, maybe even reach out your hands to him, because I, f- I think the Holy Spirit would love to move in power in this place today. And Lord, I do pray for those who have been on the receiving end of the abuse of power, particularly in the family, where they have, by the very nature of them being children, have been powerless regarding what's going on around them. And I thank you that you are the healer. I thank you that you heal our minds and our emotions as well as our bodies. And I pray that you will come in power to those who need you now. Those who have just carried those, even if it's one of those incidents like Denise referred to, just one little incident, but it just shapes a whole personality. I pray, come Holy Spirit. You know exactly where we need you. And I pray you'd come now. And just begin to heal. And begin to bring freedom. And begin to shine light where there's darkness. And I pray for those in the workplace who have felt they're on the receiving end of that bullying power day in and day out. Those who have felt, I don't even want to go to work today. Those who have cried because of the person who's in power over them. I pray, give them extra grace, Lord. Give them what they need. And I pray, answer their prayers, whether that person leaves or changes. But I pray, give give them your grace, Lord that they can get through. Give them your grace that they can shine for you in the workplace. Give them your grace that they will understand that even though they are, uh, they are under authority, they are still the head and not the tail by the very nature that we belong to you. And Lord, I pray as well for those who are struggling with that fact that they feel may- that maybe they're abusing their position of power, whether it be in the family or in the workplace. Lord, Lord come to them. And again, we pray for grace. Again, we pray for your love to break out. Lord, grace to change. Grace to seek forgiveness. Thank you that whatever we've done, where, wherever we are, we can come to you and say, Lord, forgive us. And you say you will forgive us and you will purify us as well. It's a wonder 
your grace and your patience and your mercy to us. And I pray that, Lord, we would never be those who abuse power that is delegated to us. That we would always acknowledge that we have a boss, that we have an ultimate power over us. And we will come to you again and again and again because we love you and because you first loved us. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish there.